0: What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is
1: Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. We've got some athletic director turmoil. We have a commissioner who is a zombie. And we have some fearless predictions on today's podcast. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. He's John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. You can find him at pac12hotline.com. Wilner, you had a terrific piece on the athletic director saga going on at Arizona State in Arizona. Dave Hickey out at Arizona. Um, first reaction to Hickey out, and then I want to talk about your piece that you wrote about those two guys.
0: Well, thank you. But talk,
1: speaking of out... Are you out of the house?
0: Because last we heard from you, you were iced in. What is going on up there?
1: I'm uh, never taking it for granted again that I can travel down to Starbucks, go to the grocery store. (laughs) The kids aren't always around in the house. Parents out there that are homeschooling, I don't know how you do it. I have no idea how you do it. You you, you love your kids, but sometimes you got to love them at a distance, you know, from from the hours of about 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You gotta love them at a distance, but yes, we're out. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we didn't, we never lost power, you know, so, but the generator's still gassed up and ready to go. If that does happen.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad to hear. Uh, so yeah, that was some big news. I mean, this has been, we're on January 25th and it feels like we're, we've had, you know, a year already in terms of college sports news, uh, Arizona, Announced it's parting ways with the athletic director, Dave Hickey. He has been there for about seven years. And I think his last days is is somewhere in early February. Uh, You know, pretty big surprise, mostly because Arizona just hired a football coach. And you would think that you wouldn't hire a coach and then have the AD who hired him step away. But that is, that's what happened with, so Brent Brennan's going to have a new boss, what uh, what did you make of
1: it? I just think the job of an athletic director has changed a lot and and it's just morphed over in recent years in particular. But I couldn't help but think about, you know, the two hundred million dollar plus budget hole that that Arizona's got and Robert Robbins, the president. And it just felt to me uh, suspiciously like a president who knows he's in trouble. He's in charge of the budget. Uh, you know, it's like a head coach in football firing the coordinator and and, uh, you know, looking around and be like, is that good enough? Um, we know that Robert Robbins heavily involved in the decision making at Arizona. Um, I think hickey has got a really good reputation among other A.D.s in the industry. Uh, I'm I was a little surprised by it because the Brennan hire, you and I both thought that Brennan hire was a home run hire. And if I'm Brent Brennan, I'm kind of looking around going, hey the guy who hired me is no longer here. What do you like? I just got here. And so that synergy or that alignment from trustees to president, to AD to football coach is gotta be there. And right now at Arizona, it's not.
0: Yeah, there certainly has been,
1: you know, Arizona's got some issues, right? That the athletic department has
0: a huge debt. Some of that is, is uh COVID related. Uh, there's supposedly an audit coming out. It could, which could be released before, uh, our listeners even hear this episode. Uh, and I've been told that the, the financial situation in athletics is, is very, very grim. They're going to have to make hard decisions. This is over and above what's going on in the rest of the university. Uh, and by the way, not only did Robbins, so, you know, so to speak, fire one of his coordinators in Dave Hickey, but he fired another because the camp, the university CFO got let go, right? The person who was basically directly responsible for that $240 million uh, accounting error. But uh, so they've got financial issues in athletics, and you know, uh, I think that there's some feeling that some of the big donors have not been super engaged, and that is often considered uh, an athletic director's purview. Uh, I think that there's some folks down there uh, who blame Hickey for not locking up Jed Fish, uh, you know, before Fish had the opportunity to go to Washington. That there, you know, he, he was too slow with the contract extension, and I to that point, I would say, you know, it takes two to tangle or to tango, and you got to want to sign a contract if on the head coach's side, right? It's one, it's one thing for the for the school to put put a proposal together, but the head coach has got to want to be there. He's got to want to sign, and uh, you know, if you look at Jed Fish's history. He moves around a lot, and if he and his agent were playing their cards properly, they were refusing to sign until they saw what the marketplace was going to be. And lo and behold, Nick Saban leaves Alabama, and Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington, and then all of a sudden, Jed Fish has got a chance to, you know, double his salary, get into the Big Ten, and and coach at a a football school. So yeah, uh, it- I I'm not sure what what to what to make of the. Blaming Hickey for the fish issue.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you can And I and I I would caution Arizona fans who are up in arms, angry at Dave Hickey, to to kind of step back a little bit and look at other examples of of what we uh, what we're seeing in this hiring cycle and maybe some of the earlier ones. Oregon went through this twice. It, Willie Taggart got away. Jimmy Sexton's the agent gets to Florida State. Rob Mullins was trying like crazy to retain Willie Taggart through a big. Contract extension in front of him and same situation. Taggart had all the leverage just like Jet Fish did and decided to wait and see what Florida State was offering. And then he left. Mario Cristobal did the same thing, left for Miami. Rob Mullins twice went to the mattresses trying to retain coaches. And I don't know if he has a lucky rabbit's foot in his pocket or whatnot, but he ends up with Dan Lanning, who is a better option. And look what he did with Lanning's contract at the end of his year. He renegotiates it. He puts the twenty million dollar buyout in, and he's he's got landing in handcuffs, so to speak, at least for now.
0: Yeah, it's it's difficult, right? And look at DeBoer uh, as well. If you're out west and you hire a coach whose roots are somewhere else, who doesn't have ties to your school or your community, then you're more likely to lose them. It's not to say that you're not going to lose an alum because obviously Oregon state just lost an alum when Jonathan Smith went to Michigan state that, you know, there's some circumstances there with the situation, the, you know, the pack two situation, but generally speaking, you are more likely to keep a coach longer. If that coach has got ties to the region or the school or the community and fish has got no ties to Arizona, DeBoer had no ties to Washington. So, you know if you get them and you only keep them for a couple of years that's you know this is what happens it is uh the life cycle of a coach athletic director and even a university president they are uh, all much much more condensed than it used to be
1: yeah and, and by the way that hiring process is nuts it has been crunched down to 72 hours or you lose everything in the portal and the agents already have the athletic directors over a barrel because you know they've got the coaches they've got the product, and. And now they also have the added uh, leverage of if you're not going to hire my guy and I drag this out too long, you're in real trouble. And so like Greg at Alabama, you know, he told his Alabama players, hey, we've got 72 hours. Give me 72 hours. And then he went out and hired Kalen DeBoer. And then Washington takes its turn and then Arizona takes its turn. And so that hiring process now is crunched down to like two, three days. You better already know who you want to hire and just start negotiating.
0: Yeah, each one of the Al- Saban retired on a Wednesday. DeBoer was hired by Alabama on a Friday, and uh, Fish was hired by Washington on Sunday. And I think Brent Brennan was hired by Arizona on Tuesday, if not Tuesday, then we- then a Wednesday. But yeah, it was a bananas stretch there. And we'll see if Jim Harbaugh's uh, move from Michigan to the Chargers. I, I suspect that Michigan's going to promote from within, but you to. never know. Don't they have to? They, you would think they do but you you know with coaching you, you 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 never know until it's done you never you never know but that's the assumption yeah, they're going to promote Sharon Moore, their offensive coordinator
1: and I also, that, which
0: makes a ton of sense.
1: It makes sense, but I think that that player retention is right at the top of the, of the line and that's how you retain you know most of that roster or as much as possible. but everybody kept pointing to Ohio State saying, you know this is great for Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh is out of the way. I'll I'll take a step back further. I I think, you know, both for Oregon and USC in particular, I think, you know, a little bit of the path is cleared in front of them. With Michigan, um, you know, looking like it, it will take a step backwards without Jim Harbaugh, you certainly think that. Kalen DeBoer is out at Washington. Suddenly, like, I'm looking at Dan Lanning thinking, like, this guy's had a pretty good month. Like, he got rid of oh. his nemesis in Kalen DeBoer, he, and now Harbaugh's out of the way, and Ohio Absolutely. State's got all the pressure. I, I just think... For the teams that are coming in, USC and Oregon, in particular, a little bit of the path in front of them is cleared.
0: No question, they are all big winners. You know, another big winner, Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, because Saban's gone. Yeah. That's going to help, and it's going to help Georgia too, and Texas. I mean, that it, it's it's crazy the the domino effect from from a the decision by a seventy two year old man. That, you know what, it's time for me to retire. And what that is going to do, that the impact it's having on so many schools across
1: the country. Just nuts. Wilner, George Klyovkov got on a plane on Wednesday, flew to the East Coast. He's going to Washington, D.C. to be there with the other power commissioners. Rolling my eyes here. And he's going you have to have some thoughts on this topic. Yeah. I'm not happy about this. I, I you think you wrote a great column on this. What, when, what day was that column? Yeah. Tuesday. Well, it was Wednesday. I did it Wednesday. that morning. Klyovkov on the plane to be fair to him. I reached out to him, say, look, I'm about to write a column saying George Klyovkov must go. Um, you know, what do you have to say about it? He, he did not want to offer any thoughts, but he, you know, he thanked me for alerting him. And I think, uh, I think it's a bad look for everybody. Uh, Klyovkov's a lame duck. He's not plan he's not part of the future at Oregon State and Washington State. They have the only two board votes. He's wearing Washington sneakers to the National Title game. Oregon State and Washington State have to start plotting their future and what they're going to do and they've got Klyovkov representing the conference and but not really like how invested is that guy really? Like, you know, I know he's doing his job and he's but just buy him out. Just Let's eight and a half million dollars they owe him seven hundred thousand dollars per school twelve schools will split the liability. He needs to get out of the way, and Oregon State and Washington State need to think about who they're going to appoint in June, and July to become their new representative in in these conversations. But it's this this uh, this storyline is cooked. Like it, it's time for George to get out of the way, so Washington State and Oregon State can start getting somewhere. I agree. I think that they're, and this is just a hunch
0: that he is serving a purpose for them in one regard, which is the college football playoff. They haven't decided officially uh, on the format for the 24 and 25 seasons. And again, we should probably explain real quick. Playoff is expanding to 12 in the 24 and 25 seasons, which are the last two years of the current deal with ESPN. Starting with the 2026 season, there is no deal with ESPN. There is no format. There is no nothing. It's a blank slate. But they need to make changes for 24 and 25 based on the uh, collapse of the Pac-12 and the fact that there are only going to be four power conferences. Those changes, both in terms of access, like how many automatic bids, how many at-large bids, and the money, the revenue distribution, those things have got to be approved by the board, which includes Washington State President Kirk Schultz. The management committee is the conference commissioners, and they're still involved in this whole thing. And Kliokov is still in those meetings, and in some ways he is serving as a liaison between Schultz and also Oregon State and what's going on with the the management committee. So I think that in some ways – He still has a a little bit of importance for Oregon State and Washington State until the playoff finalizes its format for the next two years. And then, as far as I can tell, he's going to have no use to anybody.
1: I just can't wrap my head around the idea that, you know, Oregon State and Washington State were the only two schools that signed the grant of rights when he presented that in August. And they were with him to the bitter end. And then when everyone left... turned his back on them and so I even though he's in there supposedly representing them I just don't know if I'm them are you comfortable having that guy walking around in his Washington sneakers representing you while you know you know how much can you really trust him and as he is he really invested or is he just doing this because he knows that you know this is another uh couple hundred thousand dollars that he'll he'll make this month in that role and so yeah no that's fair that's fair. I just don't, I don't know. know the can answer. you can you trust him? I think you can, but if I'm them, I would have some feelings about that, about that. You know, I, I I put somebody else in there. Send Teresa Gold. Send somebody. Send Oliver Luck. Send you know somebody else to do that sort of uh, listening.
0: Well, Teresa, you mentioned Teresa, and I, uh, you know, to me, she is the obvious choice, right? once they run Klyachkov out of here she's the obvious choice to be the interim commissioner and even starting in the summer, the full-time commissioner of the, of the PAC two, so to speak. Right. I mean, she's, she's more qualified than he is in a lot of ways. Right. She, she's been in college sports all her life. She's been an AD. She's worked at the PAC 12. Everybody likes her. She knows the issues. Uh, I mean, to me, that's a,
1: that's a no brainer. And I think that happens along with, Five or six other employees. And by the way, I'm still told that they have not made an official decision, they being Oregon State and Washington State, on the Pac-12 network fate, that they still think there may be a business in it as a production arm, even though there's all this talk about shuttering it and all this stuff, but there's still maybe an asset there, and they're trying to discern whether that is a viable piece. Now, the recommendation that I'm told by a source, that the recommendation from Oliver Luck was – That, yes, there's a production business in there, but somebody needs to dedicate time, effort, energy, expertise into making that a production facility that can do outside work. But, you know, are they do they want to be a business? Do they want to be business owners? I don't know. Right. Let's put Larry Scott in charge of it. It's outside inside, kind of, because one of the options
0: is production for the schools that are going to the other conferences. Right. Because, I mean, Cal and Stanford are going to have to produce events for the ACC network. The, the corner schools are going to have to produce uh, on-campus events for, you know, the big 12 digital, the ESPN plus events uh, North, you know, the, the foregoing of the big 10, I'm not as sure on the details there, but you know, it, it costs, I want to say it costs Louisville $10 million to pr- build a production studio for the ACC network. So you can imagine the cost will be similar to these schools. And if the PAC 12 networks has the technology to serve the purpose and they don't have to necessarily do a full build out on campus, then then maybe there's something there And Washington State and Oregon State effectively would would own the networks and would lease out the technology and production arm to the departing schools.
1: And I think there there's a need for that. And and there's also some talk about maybe the PAC 12 network picking up production work for Amazon Apple, some others. So keep, yeah. an, keep an eye on that. Um, that would be something, wouldn't it, if, if the Pac-12 networks ends up being a revenue generator that
0: that helps keep the beavers and cougars
1: going? Yeah, and, and look, if it's profitable, it's profitable. There's a, If there's a business there, there's a business there, but we have seen some new players in that streaming space. By the way, can I bounce this off you? Netflix signs this $5 billion deal with WWE Raw. Peacock has 23 million viewers on an NFL playoff game. What level of remorse do you think Pac-12 presidents and chancellors have when they see those headlines, if at all? Because I know Pac-12 fans are going, hey, would Apple have worked? Could the Pac-12 have been the first? Could they have been the breakthrough? But do you think the presidents and chancellors at all, Wilner have a little remorse? Well, I think that they have remorse because a lot of them would have preferred to stay, if not all of them, would
0: have preferred to stay in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know if these developments have created an extra level of remorse right now, but I also think that there's a decent chance that in 2030, you know, Apple's going to be dominant in, uh, the sports production and and delivery business, and it's probably going to own ESPN. Uh, and so in 2030, I think a lot of, a lot of folks are going to look back and think, you know what? X 12 might have been better off getting on the getting in on the ground floor with Apple as it broke into sports. Uh, but I don't know that there's – I'm not sure how much remorse there is right now about just these in-the-moment developments. Do we, you think there will be?
1: I think there has to be a little bit at least some rubbernecking, looking at the Peacock numbers, looking at what's yeah. going to happen. The NFL has come out and said, hey, they're going to continue to explore streaming moving forward. But um, I have to think there's a little head nodding. I know the folks at Washington State believed that the Apple deal could be incredibly lucrative for them. They saw a path there. But, you know, we've talked about this. Like, I just I think there was a little bit of hesitancy and maybe not a little bit, a lot of hesitancy to go all in streaming, given that the presidents and chancellors had been burned by Larry Scott and his promise for the Pac-12 network. All, you know, they'd been they'd been handed some hollow promises before, and I'm sure that played a yes. role in their decision. The scars Uh, run deep. Definitely. How about some predictions? How about we do some predictions? Let's do it. For 2024, we would like to give a couple of few, maybe three fearless predictions from John Wilner and myself. Again, if you want to read Wilner, Pac12Hotline.com, Bay Area News Group, you want to read me, get a paid subscription or a free subscription at johnconzano.com. John Wilner, I can't give you a drum roll, but give me a fearless prediction for 2024. All right, well, I actually published a few predictions. Okay. Uh, today, I don't
0: want – Pac12Hotline.com. I'll take a couple from there. I'll try to, like, pick and choose, Okay. Uh, you know, regional versus national. You know, I did some football, basketball, off-the-field stuff. Number one prediction uh, will be that the ACC stays intact. Uh. Florida State has until August, in the middle of August, to notify the ACC that it is going to leave for the 2025 football season. So basically they have to give a year's notice if they're leaving. I do not believe Florida State will give notice, which means the ACC is going to be intact probably for two more years. And the reason I think that's such a big deal is it impacts everything. Because if Florida State – gets out of the grant rights with the ACC. They're not leaving alone. North Carolina's going, Clemson's going, Virginia's going. The ACC's going to collapse. And then that impacts Cal-, Cal and Stanford directly. It impacts Washington State and Oregon State indirectly. And it could impact the Big 12 too, because there's going to be a lot of movement. So to me, that is... Like, all eyes are on Tallahassee and Charlotte, I think, this year in terms of the off the field. And uh, uh, I think that it'll hold up at least for two more years.
1: Yeah, because if the court rules in Florida State's favor, the, then a grant of rights doesn't mean anything, anywhere. And so that would cause, I think, extreme chaos. And I think Oregon State and Washington State are probably sitting back going, yes, please, we'll take some of that. Like, that would that would cause a— uh, you know, the big 12 schools, the ACC schools would all start running for the hills again. And, and maybe Oregon State, Washington yeah. State could play their way back into favor. OK, well I that's have a, part of their strategy. Their strategy yeah. is to to be flexible and see,
0: create a landing spot in case this whole thing collapses and
1: schools that have left the Pac-12 need to come back. It's smart.
0: What Predi- do you got? Let me hear. Fearless me hear
1: prediction something. number one. All this talk about Chip Kelly going back to the NFL. Could he be a yes. pa- part of a package deal, a coordinator, whatnot? To me, no, 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 no. Nonsense. Chip Kelly stays at UCLA this season and probably beyond as long as they'll have him. In my conversations with him, I have not picked up from him that he would love to go back to the NFL. In fact, I picked the opposite up. I don't think he, he loves recruiting, and he may need some help in the NIL space from his school. But I think Chip Kelly stays at UCLA as long as they'll have him. I think he likes the zip code too much. I think he likes being near the beach. I think he likes being in college football and likes being in charge. He tasted of the NFL, and I think Chip Kelly is the Bruins coach. Now, they're going to struggle a little bit in the Big Ten, but yes, I just think no, no, no. I've heard these reports all week long. It doesn't make sense. He's in the Bay Area today. He's recruiting, and I know that his athletic director, Martin Jarmon, I had a UCLA football player tell me that Jarmon stopped by one of the team workouts yesterday and just showed his face and just kind of talked to some players who were there working out. They're doing a conditioning workout. And I think it's really smart by Jarmon to show up there and let players see the AD show up at a workout. But I think Chip Kelly stays put. What do you have as your second prediction?
0: Well, that would certainly— be distressing to a lot of UCLA fans who desperately <laughs> want Sorry. a coaching change. And if I were Chip Kelly and I saw my schedule for next year, I got road games, at LSU. I got to go to Rutgers. I got to go to Penn state. Their, their schedule is bananas and their team's not going to be very good. So it's going to be rough by uh number two prediction. Utah will win the big 12. They are, uh, I think they are the best equipped to go in there and win a 16-team conference, I know Arizona's was hot, but Arizona's losing. You know the coaching change will create some disruption. They're losing some players, not all, but some players through the portal. I think Utah is in great shape to go in and win the Big 12, partly because they got a good quarterback, but also I do not see it is to me it is uh, mathematically impossible for them to not have a better situation with injuries, right? You don't get slaughtered with injuries the way Utah did two years in a row. There's going to be a reversion of the mean. They're going to have a pretty healthy fall. I think Utah will win the, uh, win the big 12, Arizona contender, Colorado, maybe middle of the pack issues. Got some work to do a couple of years of recruiting to do, but I like Utah to win the big 12.
1: Love that. And I agree with it. I think, they're, they're well-positioned. I think they're going to find that, the path there easier. I'll, I'll dovetail with that. I think Oregon's going to win the Big Ten, and I think seeing Kalen DeBoer and Jim Harbaugh both leaving. Keep in mind, I was at the college football playoff national title game. Those were the coaches in the game, Wilner. They're both gone, and and DeBoer had Lanning's number. Dan Lanning's number was 3-0 and against Lanning. Harbaugh's out of the way. Michigan's going to take a step back. Washington's going to take a step back. I think uh, Oregon is well-positioned to benefit from all of this chaos, picking up some players in the portal. And I think Dan Lanning and the Ducks are going to win 10 conference in their first year in the conference. And I I did not believe that when the uh, announcement in August happened and you know they said the Ducks are going to the Big Ten. I said they're going to get their teeth kicked in. But I'm now looking at the path clearing in front of Oregon. And I go, these circumstances have been very favorable to Dan Lanning.
0: They have. It's crazy that three of the four coaches in the playoff are gone. Uh, you know, not at those schools anymore. That To me, that's nuts. It never happened before. My third pick, you know, i I'm debating which way to go because I don't want to get too broad. But I can't get away from the fact that the stuff that happens at 40,000 feet – is going to impact what we see what the fans see on the field. So, prediction number 3 is that the radical proposal from NCAA president Charlie Baker to create a subdivision where you got to spend $30,000 per athlete per year to buy into this subdivision, I think it's going to I think it's going to stall, big shock. NCAA cannot agree on a plan. Uh but to me there's that's a layered issue right because it's going to stall and that's going to create increased amount of frustration at the power conference level especially in the Big Ten and the SEC there was a report of Yahoo had a report the other day that there's open talk in those two leagues about a breakaway them breaking away from the rest of the sport I like the fact Baker is trying to be proactive but I think it's too late and I don't think, he can get a radical proposal through his membership because the membership is too varied. So the N.F.L. is going to end this year in the same place with NIL, with the transfer portal, with frustration at the top of college football. And that is going to simply accelerate the transformation later this decade to a Super League of 24, 32 teams in which they are basically a mini NFL. And, you know, credit to Baker for trying, but it, it I don't think it's going to work. And that's going to just exacerbate all the problems.
1: I think there's a issue that we have seen with conference commissioners and now the NCAA presidents and really a line of presidents from Mark Emmer's brand. You go back with the NCAA. You know, I, I've, ta- I've been talking to athletic directors all week, and one of the things that keeps coming up is that, you know, they're frustrated that the NCAA president and the conference commissioners in some cases, not with Greg Sankey, he's, in a, he's an exclusion or exception here, um, but most of them are people who don't have experience with real college life and haven't worked on college campuses. And li- while people sometimes view that as a benefit, I don't think, Miles Brand or Mark Embert or Charlie Baker have any idea what it's like to work on a campus. And I kind of wonder at what point that becomes an issue. Like they're, you know, it's almost like hiring a, um, you know, the, the guy who runs a pizza place, uh, to run a different kind of business. And you say, well, he didn't, he didn't succeed. And you go, well, his expertise was in pizza. You know, he didn't, he didn't have any expertise in in, in the insurance business or whatever. Yep. And you know, you can't not just, you know, You might be successful. Charlie Baker, uh, obviously, smart guy, you know, has done well for himself. But I just kind of wonder if you've got a room right now with a bunch of commissioners and a NCAA president who just don't have a lot of connection to the college campuses themselves. And we're all going, well, it looks less and less like college sports. Well, of course, you know, these are the people making all the decisions. So, uh, I'll be curious to see if that one comes true, and I'm with you on that. Uh, my third one, my third and final one. Hit me. Let's it relates it. to the college football playoff. We're all talking about the expansion to 12 teams and how great this is going to be. And I actually think this is going to be one of the things in sports where, like, you know, we're all bracing for where will the arguments be, where will the belly aching be. I think it's going to be roundly celebrated as a huge success, the formatic success. There may be some quibbling over the, the first-round buys, but... I think we're going to see some have-nots have an opportunity to access the playoff. I think it's going to be much more balanced geographically than the 14 team playoff was historically, and I think it'll be celebrated as a huge success next fall and into the late part of the year. And so I think we're all going to look back and go, gosh, it only took you know 15 or 20 years for them to get from the BCS system into something that actually worked.
0: Yep. What, yeah. Why didn't they just start the playoff with 12? Why do they
1: start with four?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's gonna be fantastic.
1: The answer is they didn't wanna share the money. You know, that, that's the easy answer, but there we are. All right, your fearless predictions. You can tweet at John Wilner, at Wilner Hotline, or you can tweet at me, at John Canzano BFT, or tweet at us both and give us a fearless prediction for 2024 in your mind as a listener. Make sure you also subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and family members, and uh, if you subscribe, you won't miss a thing. Uh, every uh, every time we post an episode, it'll pop right up on your phone. Thank you. And, Wilner, thank you for your expertise and your predictions and uh, being a go-to guy on all this stuff.
0: Same to you, my friend. Appreciate it. Appreciate our listeners. We will be back next week. Thanks, everybody.